Good morning, everybody. I will be reading the scripture today, and you'll have to bear with me because in school I was never good at phonics. Um, and if you got that reference, you're in a better position than me. So. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take them, uh, take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas. And departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, yep, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew who his father was, a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That was Acts fifteen thirty-six through chapter 16, verse 10. All right, well, thank you, Will. Now I know how to pronounce some of those terms, those cities there. (laughs) A little difficult. All right, well, good morning. My name is Gary. I'm the youth pastor here, for those of you who don't know me. And our fearless leader, Pastor Brent, is away on vacation. So I have the opportunity to preach this morning. And really, I'm excited to have this opportunity. It's always a great time. Uh, And it's been great bringing us all together and just worshiping his holy name together. And that song, It Is Well With My Soul, that was just excellent. That was great, really. Uh, set off the tone this morning. Um, but, but you know, it's already October 15th. We are in mid-October already. Now, this time of fall, really, these couple months are my favorite time of year. Right? The, the weather's cooling off a bit. We have football season, hunting season. The foliage is starting to get brighter. It's getting a little more beautiful out there. 
But really, this time of year is when I'm thankful to live in Maine. Now, give us a couple months and we'll probably change our tune a bit, right? Once it gets to January and February when the snow starts flying. But right now, it is a great time of year. And my wife and I, we have now entered into a new territory this fall season because we've become soccer parents. <laughs> our two older daughters are now playing soccer, and it's a lot of commitment, but it is a lot of fun. We really enjoy watching the games. Well, after the game was over um, a little while ago, we were leaving the, the field, we were driving out, and we had two separate vehicles because my wife, she had to get there a little early, bring the kids early in the van, and I had my truck, so I got there a little later. So as we were pulling out of the parking lot, I was a few cars back, and she pulled up to the stop sign, and she went out to the left to head up towards Waterville to go out and around to loop all the way around Kennebec River to get to our house. So now it's my turn to pull up to the stop sign. I get to pull out to the left and go towards Waterville, or I could take a right, make up a little time, right, go in the back way. <laughs> well, I asked my daughter who was in the truck with me, and she's extremely competitive. So you can guess which way we took. Yes, we took a right and we took off and everything was going well. There was no traffic. It was so quiet and peaceful, making up a little time until all of a sudden <laughs> my GPS started blinking a warning light of a road closure. Now, I live way over in China, Maine. I don't get over to Sydney all that often. And I had completely forgot about the bridge work on Web Road there. And uh, so anyways... My plans changed, had to turn around and accept defeat. <laughs> but we've all been there, right? Our plans change, and it is not always easy to accept with a gracious attitude. We've all heard that saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Because nothing is certain when it comes to our plans. Now, if you watch any sporting event, you realize they have the halftime adjustments because of different factors that have come into play in the game plan. Because the bottom line is, our plans change. Well, we've recently heard from Pastor Brent as he's gone through the book of Acts, uh, as he's working his way through it, that the church is growing here, the early church, because of the faithfulness of the apostles in doing the work of the Lord. Now, in particular, Paul and Barnabas, they were quite the team. They're kind of that Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen crew back in that day. They, they were doing some awesome things. They were on a roll preaching the gospel and, and, and churches were flourishing because of it. And they didn't shy away from proclaiming the truth of salvation and also denouncing a really hot button topic in that day, whether circumcision was required for salvation or not. And if it was required to be a Christian, and we're going to talk about that a little later as we get into it in our passage, but they were quite the dynamic duo who were led and really gifted by the Holy spirit. Now, Barnabas He's the encourager. He's the type of guy you want around when you're feeling a little low and you need a little pick-me-up. And then Paul, he is really smart. He has a great understanding of the law. So he's the type of guy you want around to kind of uh, just set your faith on fire, get you ignited for, for the glory of God. But this team together, Paul and Barnabas, they produced some incredible results of new believers and strengthening the churches on their first missionary journey, which we've been walking through in the book of Acts. And where we're going to pick it up this morning, though, is where the duo, they're hanging out in Antioch and teaching and preaching the word of God to the people. And while they're doing ministry in Antioch, they actually begin reminiscing on that first missionary journey. I kind of picture them sitting around a campfire, sharing stories of, of how God changed the lives of so many 
and what happened on that first journey. They probably talked about certain people they would love to see again and uh, would hope to see them again and catch up with them. This kind of reminds me a little bit of when we come back from snow camp with the teenagers. That first youth group, we pull all the teens together and we sit there and share, share stories of what we saw God do and what we experienced. And hearing those stories of, of God's power, I got to say, it stokes a passion inside me. It really does. It gets you excited and grateful for who God is and what power he has. Well, while they're doing this, picture Paul and Barnabas, they're reminiscing again. While they're doing this, Paul comes up with a great idea. And this is where we're going to pick it up in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and let's visit the brothers in every city back where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, this was a pretty easy choice, and they both agreed to retrace their journey. And they were going to follow up with some of these new believers. Now, these converts were probably still spiritually immature, and in needed, they needed encouragement. Now, back in that day, there were also a lot of false teachers, false teachers who wanted to leak into the church and kind of pull people away from the church. And Paul and Barnabas, they were aware of this, and so they wanted to keep them out. And so that was going to be part of the plan as well. Well, it was going to be a great time, and they were excited to get going. But this year, it highlights the importance of discipleship for us. So often, we hear of churches or events focused on getting decisions made, so then there's an impressive number to announce. And oftentimes, the decision was made, and this person who just made that decision, a new uh, convert, it may be still spiritually immature, and they need that encouragement and they're left there without further discipleship. This is a big part of what DGT is all about, discipleship growth track. Discipleship helps converts grow in their understanding and their relationship with Christ. So it enables a person who was recently justified by the blood of Christ, their sins are now forgiven, to help them be sanctified as they grow more Christ-like in every aspect of their life. Here we see that Paul and Barnabas, this team, they got it. They understood and recognized the importance of discipleship, and they also took steps to do so. Well, our plans change day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, even second to second if you think about it. They change in scope of what we're going to do, where we're going to eat, what we're going to eat, to where we should spend money and who we're going to hang around, all these different things of our plans changing. And this constant change of plans reminds me of kind of how water changes. If you think about it, water changes in temperature. It goes from the hot, lukewarm to cold, then cold, lukewarm to hot, and it's changing constantly. And if you've ever tried to hold water in your hands, you know it's going to seep through your fingers, at least some of it, or run over the sides. So it's constantly changing. And this is, if you have your sermon notes, this is where point number one is, we need to hold on to our plans loosely and realize they could change. So Paul had plans of a great reunion. He and Barnabas, they're going to take a road trip. They're going to check up on the new believers. They're going to disciple them in their faith. But the plan suddenly changed due to something they didn't expect. Verse 37 Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. 
And there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Well, what a letdown here, right? Things seemed to be going great. They were focused on their mission of the upcoming journey, and yet they couldn't agree on who to take with them on this journey. And they actually let this get between their relationship and their plans. Well, a few years ago, I was out, I was heading out bow hunting, <laughs> walking through the woods, got to the base of my tree, hiked up into my tree stand. And then as soon as I sat down in my tree stand, I looked up and there was a four point buck. Granted, it wasn't a huge buck, but it was a four point buck, 20 yards away, broadside. Everything came together perfectly, except the fact that my bow was still down at the base of the tree. <laughs> So I was ready for everything, had it all in place, except the most important aspect, my bow. You know, oftentimes we make our plans, and they even involve church events, maybe serving others, doing those things that are good to do. But we get too far ahead and forget the most important part, consulting God and asking for his guidance. Now, nowhere in the book of Luke does it mention Paul and Barnabas saying, hey, you know what? Let's pray about this and let's be led by the Holy Spirit on who should go on the journey with us. Or if we should split up and go in separate directions for the good of the ministry. In fact, it kind of seems like it's a pretty abrupt decision that led to what scripture calls it here, a sharp disagreement. Well, good thing this never happens in the church, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, disagreements do happen in the church and quite a bit. We're all still living in our earthly bodies, but it is a little shocking. And I got to say, it's relieving knowing that two of the greatest apostles of the early church struggled to agree on everything as well. And I think this shows us that they're humans like you and I, and they fought the flesh like we do. Kent Hughes actually says, all Christians walk with limps. We all rely on the grace of our Lord. Now, I'm not claiming one of them sinned or was out of God's will from the story because there's a good chance they might have disagreed without sinning. However, it is interesting. The word for sharp disagreement in Greek is paroxysmos, paroxysmos, where we get the word paroxysm. And this means outburst, a fit of action or emotion. So it wasn't a mild disagreement. This is an intense argument. They completely disagreed on this decision, and really it, it led to splitting up a really powerful missionary duo. Well, it then says Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Well, Barnabas doesn't waste any time here. He's got his guy, and he's ready for the journey. So he takes off and heads out. Now, a little side note, Mark is Barnabas's cousin. So they probably had a great relationship from uh, growing up together, hanging out with each other, and of course their family. And we don't know exactly why Mark left them on that first missionary journey when he left Paul and Barnabas from Pamphylia to head home. He might have been homesick. He might have been ill. We don't really know. All we have is what it says in Acts 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, who is Mark, left them and returned to Jerusalem. So that's all it gives us. But really, no matter the reason, it broke Paul's trust in Mark. And we can see that Barnabas, he is clearly put out that Paul can't see past Mark's mistake, that first mistake on the journey there. Now, I think a big reason is because if you remember back in chapter 9, Barnabas, he's the one who stood up for Paul. 
when Paul first gave his life over to Christ, uh, the other Christians, they had a tr- tough time trusting and letting uh, Paul in. Now, Barnabas, he encouraged him. He showed him grace when others wouldn't. So now, from Barnabas's view back here, he's looking at this as Paul is denying grace and forgiveness to Mark by not letting him come. And Barnabas is not liking this side of Paul that he's seeing at all. Well, again, church disagreements happen. In fact, it's happened over much simpler and sillier things before. (laughs) For example, one church argued over the appropriate length of the youth pastor's beard. They argued over it. And someone joked that they saw a verse in scripture that indicated it should be no longer than an inch and a half longer than the pastor's beard. Now, another church argued over using the term potluck instead of pot blessing. It was a very serious issue, right? Good luck trying to resolve that one. Now, another argued over if the worship team should have their shoes on during service while up on stage. Now, if you know Justin, our drummer, (laughs) he would not like this one. No shoes, no service. (laughs) But on a serious note, If we think about church disagreements, it's actually sad how it tears apart brothers and sisters in Christ, how kids and teens are pulled away from their friends because of small disagreements. And the worst part of disagreements in the church is how the world sees the body of Christ. The bottom line is here. Oh, no, no, we have to be careful here because from our seats, right, we're looking at this argument here between Paul and Barnabas and seeing this disagreement. And it's easy for us to get up on our soapbox and we want to tell Paul, come on, Paul, show some grace to Mark and allow him to go on the journey. Or maybe you feel the other side. You're like Barnabas. You're come, you're saying, come on, Barnabas, draw a hard line and agree with Paul. The bottom line is here. <laughs> Disagreements happen in the church because it's full of people. It's full of sinners like you and I. And we need to bring this home and really think about it in our own lives and our own circumstances. Is there something we've let come between us and other people in the church body? Not just here at Faith Church, because here at Faith Church, it's a little easier to agree with people in our own church body. But what about the universal church body? It's a good time for us to maybe reflect and maybe mend some of those relationships for God's glory. And the key point on your sermon notes there is because the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did for all of us, that moves us to reconcile relationships in the church body. So Paul or Barnabas, they won't budge on their decision. They're not budging on their decision. They held firm in what they both believed. But here we have two guys with very different leadership styles. We know Barnabas, he's the encourager. He's the merciful guy. And then Paul, he's kind of the guy who sees the mission as as urgent. It's something that you don't want to mess around. So he's more the no-nonsense guy. But both are equally effective for God's glory. You know, we tend to think of one or the other as a better personality to be used by God. And when we see that, we, we view that through our cultural lens. I try to remind our youth leaders that each one of them has personality traits that God has given them to be effective for his glory in our youth ministry. It doesn't mean the loudest, most popular one is the most effective. It also doesn't mean the quietest, meekest one is the most effective either. 
God has gifted each one of them with personality he sees fit. So don't try to be something you're not. Instead, serve from what he has given you, and that will be effective for his, for his glory. And really, this is the importance of the whole church body analogy. Some are the hands and some are the feet, but all are, are equally effective for God's glory and vital to the church body. So really, we don't want to get hung up here on what we view as the better leader, humanly speaking, to be that desired personality in all believers, because God created, God chose, and God called both Paul and Barnabas. And if we think about it, really, people are in need of different types of leaders. Well, do you remember in school, you remember doing achievement tests, whether it's SATs, ATs, ACTs, whatever test it may be. I remember our elementary teacher, she used to say, all right, take your pencils, get your number two pencils out, sharpen up two or three of them so that you don't have to get up in the middle of the testing. So we would sharpen those things up like little spears. <laughs> they were dangerous. But the problem is, if you went to go color in a circle with it too sharp, it took so long to color that in. You remember that? <laughs> but then if it was too dull, you would have to worry about it getting called wrong because then it would smudge on the outside of the circle. So you had to find that right balance. We as Christians have to find the right balance of grace and truth when we share the gospel. Not too sharp and not too dull and allow God to work through us. Here we go to verse 39. Barnabas took Mark with him, and he sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, this is the last we hear of Barnabas from Luke, so we don't know exactly what his journey looked like. However, later on in Second Timothy, Paul tells us, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. So if Barnabas, if he didn't give Mark a second chance, Mark may have never changed. He may have stayed the way he was. And Paul eventually recognizes that Mark was a genuinely changed man, and he was useful for ministry. In fact, we know Mark was extremely useful. If you remember, he's the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark, so he became extremely useful. Well, number two in our notes, we need to trust that God's plan never changed. It never changed. It's concrete. Paul and Silas, they're going to continue on their journey here as we come to chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Now, this kind of seems like a random fact to put in there. But if you remember, Jews and Gentiles were in a heated debate on whether Gentiles could be saved. It was at the forefront of culture, and really, it was highly talked about and argued about at that time. And we saw earlier in chapter 13, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, and since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So this was, it was countercultural at this time. And we need to realize that many of the Jews still didn't accept it. And even if they did accept that, they still expected the Gentiles to be circumcised to be considered truly saved. Now this legalistic approach that we can clearly look in and see 
is still used in many different ways today. And it's always going to be a struggle because as mankind, we want to do something to earn our salvation. Most of us in here, we probably maybe even grew up in the church or you've been here long enough. You understand that salvation is by grace through faith alone. But yet we are all still tempted to do something to earn it. We want to do more to earn our freedom. And the gospel reminds us that it's already been done for us. It is a free gift of grace to all those who believe and accept it. Well, Paul loved Timothy like a son. And as we get into the letters, Timothy's letters there, he actually referred to him as son uh, there. And there was definitely a love and respect between the two of them. And so verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew his father was a Greek. Wow. This is way different than what we thought, right? We thought Paul was the guy who was saying circumcision wasn't required for salvation. Well, if you remember in verse 1, it said Timothy is a disciple. Timothy is already a believer. So this circumcision had absolutely nothing to do uh, with his salvation. Again, this was an extremely hot-button topic in that day and age. And we've heard about it earlier in the book of Luke. But everyone knew Timothy was from a mixed marriage. His mom, she was a Jew, she was a believer, and his dad was a Greek. Now, Paul, he could foresee this circumcision as being an issue to all the Jews in every city that they visited. And so to be accepted in ministry, he had Timothy circumcised. That way it would affirm his Jewish heritage and it wouldn't offend the Jews. Now, this was probably an easier choice for Paul to make. Right. (laughs) Probably took a little more convincing for for uh, Timothy to go along with those plans. But Timothy did willingly remove the stumbling block. Well, is there something in our life that acts as a stumbling block to others? It may even require a little sacrifice on our part. We need to be aware of anything that hinders others from coming to Christ. Especially if you serve in a ministry, you need to ask yourself, is there something that's hindering my effectiveness to serve or share God's word? Because we really are. We're responsible for delivering the greatest news for mankind. Well, this trip required a lot of backbone. It required a lot of passion for the spread of the gospel. And God had prepared Timothy for ministry leading up to this. It is said that Timothy most likely accepted Christ on Paul's first missionary journey. Paul actually was in Lystra, and he was stoned in Lystra. And it is understood that Timothy actually witnessed Paul's stoning there in Lystra, and that helped stoke a passion inside Timothy to live for God, the same God that Paul was willing to get stoned for. Now, Howard Hendricks, he once said, every disciple needs three types of relationships in his life. He needs a Paul. That's someone who can mentor him and challenge him. He needs a Barnabas, someone who can come alongside and encourage him. And he needs a Timothy, someone he can pour his life into. Timothy, he was most likely a teenager or maybe in his early 20s when he started ministry. And Paul used to tell him, be bold, Timothy. Don't let anyone look down on you for your youth. And as a youth pastor, I got to say this resonates with me because when it comes to youth ministry, We're not only getting teens ready to graduate high school and go out into the world. We are helping them develop into disciple makers right now as teenagers. So I want to encourage everyone here, if you're a grandparent, maybe you're a parent, 
aunt, uncle, whatever it may be, pour your life into the younger generation. And God can use teens in a powerful way. So pour your life into them. Verse 4, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, these decisions of the apostles and the elders are what Pastor Brent talked about last week. It was in chapter 15. Here's a little recap for it. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. This was incredible news to the Gentiles because it put to rest any requirement for circumcision to be considered saved. Here we see the gospel shines through as, as the salvation plan right here. Because the Savior came and died on the cross for you and I. That gift of grace that they received way back then is offered to all of us today with no strings attached. We don't have any other requirements for salvation. He justified us once and for all. And his plan that's been in the beginning from the very beginning is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Now, Paul and his, his companions, they're sharing this good news with the Gentiles, and the gospel is spreading throughout the region. Well, number three on our notes, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to align our plans with his plans. Well, around the same time last year, my wife and I, we were actually looking for a family vehicle, and uh, we're having a lot of trouble finding one. And we were getting a little desperate because we were borrowing one from my sister, and we really wanted to get it back to her. Well, after weeks of searching, we finally found one on Marketplace. It was exactly what we needed. Low miles, great shape, and so we pursued it. We contacted the guy and set up an appointment. So we drove over to Lewiston. Now, the guy, I got to say, he was a little shady, a little pushy. He said he was from Florida, so we were a little nervous. <laughs> But my wife and I, we prayed about it, and we were being patient. Again, we were getting a little desperate, but we prayed and we said, Lord, please show us whether or not this is your will or if you have something else in mind. We really did take our time, and we finally came to a decision we were going to buy it. But as I was looking over the title before I signed any papers, I happened to notice that the, on the title, the odometer reading was 50,000 more miles than what the van said. <laughs> so this was a big red flag. And the guy said it, it was just a typo. It's not a big deal. But he wasn't willing to get an accurate new title. So we passed on the vehicle. Now, I tell you this story to bring, bring praise to God because I don't think it was a coincidence that we happened to look at that odometer reading on the title and put two and two together. So God probably saved us a lot of heartache and pain and money <laughs> because we searched and followed his guidance. Now, of course, it doesn't always work that smoothly, and sometimes God allows us to make a bad purchase. But oftentimes, we overlook the greatest way for our lives to be led. You see, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit available to you. And we use that term believer quite often in church, and what we mean by that is someone who understands they are separated from God because of our sin nature. 
We recognize that and we trust Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross to pay our sin payment and rose again. We have asked for forgiveness from our sins and we proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And this is what is known as that gift of grace that is offered to everyone. And when you become a believer, you receive the Holy Spirit, the helper. Now, the Holy Spirit working in conjunction with our prayers, working in conjunction with the word of God is what guides our lives throughout. It guides us to where we should go and what pleases him. And it also keeps us from where he doesn't want us to go, or at least until it's his timing. Now, if you've ever had a toothache, I'm sure everyone in here has had a toothache, you become pretty sensitive, right? It hurts so bad, that's all you can think about throughout the day. And every decision you make, it's on your mind. But you can take some Orgel, you can slap Orgel on that, maybe uh, take a pain reliever, and then you don't think about it nearly as much throughout the day. Well, we become either more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, or we become callous to him. And we listen more to the flesh than the spirit. We're going to see here that Paul was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go in Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Well, Paul finished over here in Galatia, and he was heading down south into Asia. Now, Asia is not the continent. It's a little small province, but something kept him from entering there. So then he was going to head north up into Bithynia, but something stopped him there as well. So then he was funneled down into what they call the Dardanelles Straits. And because of these closed doors, he settled in Troas. Now, Troas is a very pivotal place because the gospel is now moved from this Roman area where there's uh, Ephesus, Galatia, Lystra, and now it's heading towards Europe. And thank God it did because this is eventually how it heads and spreads the gospel over to us here in the West. But the gospel is spreading according to God's plan and his timing. But now we're seeing here, since the argument with Barnabas way back at the beginning, Paul and his companions, they've developed a plan for evangelism, but they're not letting that plan get in the way of the Spirit's leading. They're following the Lord's direction. Well, we all plan our future. We all think about our future, dwell on it, and maybe things we, uh, projects around the house, things we want to build, maybe a vacation we want to take, or something we're going to do when we retire. And that's not bad to do. That's a good thing to do. It's okay to do that, but we need to remember to keep those loosely, hold on to our plans loosely and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and God's call to stay or go. Here we see Paul, he and his men, they were sensitive to the Holy Spirit and they were led to enter or not enter into a certain region. We need to realize that God's go is just as important as God's no. And God's no can be all kinds of different things. Sometimes a broken down car, Could be a bridge that's out, could be an illness, could be a bad odometer reading on a title. There are so many different ways that God guides our lives and says yes or no. Well, some of you may know my story of how I became a youth pastor. It was about seven years ago now, and I had plans of pursuing law enforcement. I had a criminal justice degree. Uh, I was working for the sheriff's office in the courthouse with the intent of becoming a state police. That was my dream job. I wanted to be a state trooper. 
And I also felt God calling me for many years to ministry, specifically youth ministry. And I remember vividly knowing God wanted me to surrender, but I talked myself out of it time and time again as I came up with tons of excuses. I can't speak well in public. I wouldn't be able to lead well. It wouldn't be a good career. And so I had that struggle for quite a few years and went back and forth. So my plans were to become a police officer. And yet God didn't shut those doors. He kept opening doors for that. But he also opened doors widely for youth ministry. And so I would seek advice. I would seek godly counsel on it and ask, you know, can I get some advice on this? And people always ask me, what is it that's keeping you from entering into ministry? And the only things I came up with were out of fear, lack of trusting in God. And so once I realized that, it changed my whole view. And I surrendered to God, and I became a youth pastor. And I'm so glad I did. I really am. But, you know, we make plans, and they change. But God's plans never do. He knew I was going to be a youth pastor on the day he created me. And the cool thing is, is that God knows exactly what he has planned for each one of you as well. And it may be entirely different than what you're planning. So buckle up. (laughs) Get ready for that. Well, it's not recorded in Scripture exactly what kept Paul from entering into Asia or Bithynia. But the most common view is that Paul took ill. He took ill. He wasn't able to enter into those places. He wasn't able to travel any longer. And this is kind of based on the fact that Luke, our author, he changes the narrative in his writing from them to we, hinting that Dr. Luke is now part of the crew from that point on. Really, though, regardless of what the specific issue is, we see that God is guiding Paul's steps. Psalms 37 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Paul was a righteous man. He listened to the voice of the God, even when it went against his original plans. You know, making plans, facing decisions is a huge part of our lives. It truly is. It's actually estimated that the average adult makes about 35,000 conscious decisions each day. And you could probably double that for mothers. (laughs) But each decision carries certain consequences, either good or bad. But we don't have to stress about the decisions if we're led by the Spirit and allow Him to establish our steps. Verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, we don't know who this man from Macedonia is. Some people think it might have been Luke. Some say maybe Jesus, maybe Alexander the Great. Now, he was kind of that ultimate example of, of what a Macedonia man was back then. But we don't know, just a man from Macedonia. But what we do know is that Europe was calling for help. They were in need of the gospel. And now Paul, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, started to see the whole plan come together and how God was leading them to where he wanted them to go. This vision of the Macedonian man, it broke Paul's heart. He saw the people of Macedonia as Jesus saw them, and he desired to share the good news with them. And this right here is how the gospel reorients our plans in line with his plans. Because when we revisit the gospel, it helps us see the mission clearly and focus on his plan. 
You know, God has given us so many opportunities to reach the lost right here in the city of Waterville and even the surrounding areas. And it really should break our heart when we think about all the people that we rub shoulders with every day. We see in the stores that we see out and about who do not have the hope of God in their lives. What's so cool here is these men immediately obeyed the Lord and the gospel is spread through our obedience to Christ. So we don't have to have all the Bible knowledge in the world. We don't even need to have a personality that can reach hundreds of people. God just wants us to surrender our life and follow the Spirit's leading in what he wants us to do, where he wants us to go, and how he wants us to live our lives. Now, I got to say, after reading this, it seems like it would have been a lot easier if God just gave Paul that vision right at the beginning of the story, right? Let him know where he wants him to go. But 15 verses later, we see that Paul, we see Barnabas, Timothy and Mark all grew more Christ-like through what God had them go through, through his plans. Each one of us in here are in the middle of experiencing our own 15 verses of our life. It would be a lot easier if we just knew what that last verse said, where he wants us to go and what his plan is for us. But that's not how it works. God is growing each one of us through our failures, through our difficulties, through our experiences and getting us ready and equipped for when he reveals that last verse to us. You know, anxiety, it's a real struggle. Something that cripples many people these days, it really is. But knowing that God has a plan for our life, that gives us comfort, gives us peace, and we don't have to stress about things when we trust God, put our trust in him and his plan. G. Campbell Morgan says, it is better to go to Troas with God than anywhere else without him. So today, I just want to ask you guys, where is God telling you to go? It may not be in a vision like Paul had, but through prayer and the Holy Spirit's leading, he will guide you. So I want to encourage you, trust him and follow his plan. If you could, please stand with me. Now let's close in prayer. Dear God, Lord, we thank you for the time of worship we've had this morning. Lord, I pray we listen to your voice this week and we follow your plan for our lives. Lord, we don't know what that's going to look like or even how it's going to get done most times, but God, all you ask is that we surrender and obey your leading. So help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and follow your steps. And Lord, we ask you to be with our city of Waterville and the surrounding areas. Lord, start preparing them to be receptive to the gospel as you motivate us to go and share it with them. And God, we have nothing to fear or stress when we place our trust in you. So help us to live confidently in knowing you're in complete control. We love you and ask all this in your precious name. Amen.